1: This is the Sikkim Podcast, presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels, Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, and Waco. Online at alansamuelsdcj.com. The Sikkim Podcast is a production of Baylor Athletics. Now, here are your hosts, Brooke Bednarz and the voice of the Bears, John Morris.
2: Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's Sikkim Podcast, a production of Baylor Athletics. We're glad you're with us this week. John Morris, Brooke Bednars, and Brooke, we're glad to have with us Coach Casey Maxwell, Baylor equestrian head coach today, and a lot we can talk about uh, in her area of equestrian.
3: Absolutely. I've been looking forward to this one for a while, um, and, but we planned it just now. Perfect timing, I think, John. They uh, you know, just started the season and getting ready for a home opener against that purple school up north, so (laughs) perfect timing to have her on and talk equestrian.
2: That's true. Casey, welcome to you. We appreciate you being on with us.
3: It's good
0: to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Good. And you did just start your season. You didn't compete in the fall. We'll talk about that, but you uh, just started this past weekend, went down to A&M, and uh, tough match. I mean, right down to, really right down to raw scores before we got a winner.
0: Yes, it was definitely tough. Um, Started off a little slow in the first half, but our team really fought in the second half, and it came down to that last ride to tie us 9-9. Definitely heartbreaking to lose by 11 raw score points, but,
3: you know, hopeful we know how close our team is, so we're going to capitalize on that. For everyone listening who might not know, um, I know the first time I met you and interviewed you, I was working in news, and uh, you said, well, if you ever want to come to a match, if anyone... Anyone wants to come to a match. Our girls are so eager to share what our sport is about. Um, And they, they are, they are super willing. Um, You're willing to kind of open that door to people who aren't um, super in tune with what equestrian is and what all it entails. But so for everyone listening, kind of describe the difference between you earned the nine points, it was a 9-9 tie, right. but then you had to go to the raw score. Um, explain that to everyone listening.
0: Okay, so you look at the 9-9 score, and basically the way that our format is set up is one rider from the home team, Texas A&M, and one rider from Baylor are going to compete on the same horse, and whoever gets the higher score on that horse is going to get one point for their team. So that's where you come down to the 9-9 at the end of the day. Um, and then we, we go into an equalizer, basically, into a form formula to kind of level the playing field when you have to break it down into raw scores. Um, If if you're at the meet and you're looking at raw scores, you're you're looking at the reigning, for example, you may have a girl who gets a score of a 70 versus a girl who gets a score of a 72. And that 72 is going to get one point for her team, right? And so you're going to have to come back to those raw scores that are kind of industry standard for our sport and look at those when you go into a tiebreaker, Um, keeping it really simple. What we look at is the jumping seat events, the fences in the flat, are off of a 100 point scale. The Western events, the horsemanship and the reining are on a 70 point scale. So the equalizer, that formula is trying to equal those events so that your jumping seat doesn't carry more weight. Those two events don't carry more weight than your Western events do. And so it plugs it all into a formula, equalizes it all out. And that's where you come down with that tiebreaker score was like 1579 to 1568. And so definitely it's got some math hidden behind it, but you're just trying to balance how much weight all four of those events carry during that day.
2: That's good. Now yeah. anybody listening could come do. and score and equestrate me, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if, it, if it comes down to uh, raw scores,
1: there you go.
2: <laughs> people are taking notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. Good. It. 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 It's a very good explanation, actually.
0: Good. It's hard because I think if you're sitting in the stands, you want to just go. Uh, a parent, you want to add up those raw scores. You right. And be like, oh, we won. Right, um, right. But they don't realize that we have to balance it with the other discipline, with the other half of um, of our sport, basically. And so, you know, people just don't know enough about that side of it, and and that can That can kind of serve frustrating, but you know, you definitely don't want to have an event or two events outweighing the other ones Mm -hmm. because it really does come down to everyone that day.
2: Very fair, absolutely. Your team ranked number nine in the the poll, A&M ranked number seven. You, You play them that close. So how do you feel, I mean, out of that match? Do you feel disappointed that you lost, certainly, but maybe encouraged that you were so close with them?
0: Yeah, definitely. We've got to focus on the positive. We've got to focus on the encouragement. We've got to focus on how well we rode that day. And we've got to focus on the fact that, the, you know, the couple of points that we lost were so within reach. We made some small mistakes here and there, and we could have beat them that day. And that's a tough place to play. It's a tough atmosphere to play in. Our team coming off um, 11 months off, um, and A&M had the opportunity to play a couple of meets in the fall, so they haven't been off as long as we have. We've got to focus on the fact that we really came out swinging this season. Um, it's right within our reach. Our team was strong that day. We bounced back in the second half. Um, we're going to put our focus there and, and kind of turn that to get us ready for this weekend against TCU.
2: That's really good, especially after the long layoff. I mean, that is a long time uh, between competitions for y'all.
0: Definitely very hard. And some of our girls have, you know, the the great opportunity to continue showing their own horses and competing on their own, which definitely helps them. But they don't all have that. So some of them truly have not been out there competing since March 7th or at all, some of our freshmen. So um, it was a a big ask for them to come out and, and be so confident this weekend and, you know it's a it's a tribute to them on how well they prepared themselves and um really focused in the fall semester treated our scrimmages
3: you know really wholeheartedly to prepare them for for this first competition cuz it's not going to get any easier well 11 months off we we're focusing on you know the human aspect of the sport, but you also have horses who haven't competed in 11 months and that's, you know, just as much part of the whole process for you. So, um, what was that like getting to see, you know, obviously you've been working with them, but getting to see them back out there as well.
0: Yeah. Our live equipment. I mean, it definitely has its own hardship with it. Um, we love them. I mean, we would, we are, we love our horses so much. They're such great sports for us. Great team players. You know, they're used to having a normal three month layoff period over the summer. You know seven to eight months for them was really long by the time we got back to it in September, so we had to definitely start back a little bit slower this fall semester um you know, and even this spring semester they had an extended break from thanksgiving into into this January segment so you know you've got to you got to be mindful of them. You got to be right in getting them acclimated um, to come back to the to the semester. But there's some benefit to it too. I mean this this sport's hard on them to come out and play so many weekends in a row and have two people ride on them um, in one day. That's that's different than what it would be like in the real world for them. And so we ask a lot of them during the season, so they definitely d- deserve the extra time off. And we just had to be mindful of bringing them back and getting them prepared.
2: I like the term you use, live equipment. Live equipment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever noticed that before. I don't think I've heard that. They're 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 a big part of your team, though, yeah. aren't they? They are the horses.
0: You know, and you think you know you think about it when when COVID shut everything down. I mean, we couldn't shut down. They yeah, have to eat twice yeah. a day, seven days a week, and so you know there's a big part of us that couldn't shut down. So so they are, and then you have the unknown with it too. I mean, you could think they're really great that day, and they still have a mind of their own. So you know, you just have to be ready for everything.
2: Here's a crazy question. Uh, do you have to be concerned with COVID with the horses?
0: You don't. They are not carriers. Okay. They will not contract it or carry it at all, so you don't have to be worried about that. We watch our equipment. That's the biggest thing we watch is um, you know, having the virus um, potentially be on our equipment and keeping that clean between yeah. riders and things like that, but not from the horse standpoint. You would think
3: that was a crazy question, but you know, it's 2020. These days, one right. Now. right. You know, like, uh, it's all kind of blending in together. So no. that's crazy a probably question. a normal no question. crazy questions <laughs> nowadays.
2: And so the girls were, were gone. I mean, your student athletes were gone from campus. Uh, how did you make it work taking care of all your horses during that time?
0: We've got an awesome crew. Um, we have our, our herd operations manager, he lives on site. And then we've got a couple of part-time students and, and, um, some non-student workers who work with us who you know just keep them fed and keep them healthy and you know keep them their stalls clean and turn them out and stuff and then the coaches were permitted to be there from an exercise and medical oversight standpoint and things like that we rode a little bit over the summer but for the most part we let them have the break and we just made sure that they were they were healthy and had everything that they needed and so we just let them enjoy the time off very similar
3: to the girls. Yeah. <laughs> keep everyone healthy. And the number
2: is 52, right? 52 horses.
3: we right at 52 right now. That's yeah. a lot. Wow. That's a lot of work.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is a lot of work.
0: Yeah. It's a lot of, um, a lot of bodies to feed on competition
3: day right. and to keep,
0: you know, you talk about, you know, our girls having to go to the doctor and have to go through physicals and we have to do that with 52, you know, equine athletes too. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a double the work for, for us. And how big is your roster of girls we're 61 this year 61 yeah
2: all right uh you've got everybody back you've started the uh spring now i mean your your schedule is underway uh the the layoff the time when everybody was gone or most everybody was gone uh how'd you stay in touch with your your student athletes what did y'all do to to keep touch with each other
0: I, we've all just become so familiar with Zoom. The and old Zoom, FaceTime. Right? Zoom. I mean, <laughs> it seems second nature now. Um, and it's definitely harder. Um, we're, our team is best in person, and I'm sure you know most departments, most teams are. Um, so it was definitely hard having 60 to 65 women on Zoom. Um, it's hard to kind of really mm-hmm. have the conversation. But we did stay in touch that way as best we possibly could. Um, and then we broke out and did smaller groups, you know, breaking them out by event or by discipline and and having conversations with them there, even individually. And so, you know, you just do the best you can with what you're dealt with. And I'm thankful when they're back and we can
3: be back in person. A lot of returners this year, a lot of, um, you you know, common carrying out throughout all of your different events and things of that nature. You had to see that play out pretty well this past weekend. Um, but Talk about, uh, you mentioned it in a press conference earlier, you guys are intentionally preparing more depth because it is 2021 and COVID is still an issue and it's, everyone's still being very cautious. So how does that returning depth play into, you know, a benefit of being able to rely on that? A lot of girls knowing, a lot of girls being back and then help you build that depth just in case.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we were lucky this year that we didn't graduate a huge senior class. So we've got a wealth of returners coming back that may or may not have had experience in the competition arena, but have been pushed to that level. So that's good. And then adding in um, a very talented freshman class, you know, to kind of throw things in the mix. We got lucky that we did have a lot of depth to work with this year. Um, Last year, we would have been in a tougher situation. We were developing some people who maybe weren't ready yet. Um, but COVID definitely put some pressure on us to where we might be develop, you know, trying to keep five, six, maybe seven prepared per event. We're, we're reaching upwards of about 10 this year, you know, mostly just in case something COVID related happens and you've, you know, you've got direct contacts and you've got people out that, you know, we're, we're just telling them it's a fluid situation and, and just be ready, be ready to step in. I could tell you who's going to compete this Wednesday. And that changes by Friday if somebody, you know, pops up sick for some reason. And so Um, it's also helping us from a practice standpoint, the amount of pressure that they're putting on each other in practice, you know, just to keep everyone ready and not settle with the normal five or the normal six who may be in there competing. It's healthy. I mean, it's healthy competition in practice. And so, um, I think there's going to be a lot of really big benefits from it.
4: There's only one motor trend truck of the year. It's Ram from Alan Samuels. Now, kick off the new year with remarkable savings on new Rams during the Alan Samuels Start Something New Sales event. This special New Year's event is underway right now, and you can save thousands on new Rams. Ram for your family, farm, or business at Waco's most trusted dealer, Alan Samuels. Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, your friend in the car business. Whether on the field or cheering from
2: home, Du Bois Furniture is proud to support the Baylor Bears. If your bear cave needs updating, Du Bois Furniture is here to help. With over 59 years of our family serving yours, let our experienced sales team help you find exactly what you want. We specialize in custom upholstery, stunning dining rooms, elegant bedrooms, gorgeous leather, and top quality mattresses. Come see us in Waco and Temple or visit us online at duboisfurniture.com. Du Bois Furniture, where beautiful homes happen.
1: Now back to the Sikkim podcast, presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels, Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat.
2: Where uh, where do you find your? Uh, how do you feel your roster? I mean, how do you recruit? Uh, <laughs> where, so do where, you where do you, where find do you find go? Questions. Questions. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Do, or do they find you? Uh,
0: it's a combination. Yeah. They're they're honest. Honestly, they're everywhere. I mean, there's so many this is a tough sport that there's not enough women's opportunities. And, you know, you're turning away upwards of hundreds of women every Mm -hmm. single year. Um, you know, because like everyone, you're trying to find the best of the best that you can. Um, there's a great pool of athletes here in Texas, but we're looking, you know, out on the coast and up North, you know, to where our jumping seat specifically is, is highly competitive, um, on the northeast coast and that's you know where we pull a lot of riders from just because of the opportunity up there midwest is usually more of your western riders um but not not, not only there and so we're typically either at larger nationally ranked competitions, um, or at least watching them on live screen now, since we can't, since we can't leave and recruit right now, um, watching them at national level competitions, starting to watch them as they go through high school, like how they progress. Um, are they riding for us as they come into the sport? Are they riding different horses? Or are they riding the same one horse their entire career? Um, you know, watching how they work with their trainers and stuff and just kind of how they're going to be prepared to come into this, This is so different when they come to college that they're, they're not riding a horse that they train with like they do on their own when they're, when they're under 18, when they're in high school and they're out there competing. Um, this is catch riding as we call it. Um, you have no idea who you're going to ride that day. So they've got to have that flexibility, that versatility, and they've got to be trained to do that. So if you are watching a, a rider, who's been on the same horse for 10 years per se, she may have no idea how to just jump on Mm -hmm. and adapt to a different horse every single day. And so, so that's a big part of it that goes into us. We've got a wealth of students, um, of prospects who will reach out to us, send videos, let us know what they're doing. And a lot of times you catch somebody there who you may have missed out there at a competition. Um, so it's definitely, definitely still a combination and we bring on quite a few walk-ons here with our large roster. We stay upwards right around 65 is our kind of our sweet spot. And so, um, quite a few walk on
3: athletes who we can bring along over their four years here at Baylor. We were going to wait, but I think this is the perfect time. Cause you kind of mentioned it. Um, it's national girls and women in sports day yeah, good point. and, um, you know, just to be able to celebrate that Baylor athletics, we have a virtual luncheon, um, coming up in a little while, but, um, to visit with you for this podcast today, I do want to ask, you know, you just mentioned that there's a lot of women in sport that can't make it to the next level because there's just not that many collegiate teams. How would you like to see you know, normally we're celebrating all the accomplishments and advancements in the sport, but you have a solid point of, you know, there could be more opportunities for equestrian athletes. Yeah. We would love
0: I mean we are we are still Collegiate equestrian and women's equestrian is still an emerging sport. It's on the emerging sports list and on the championship sports list. So there is a huge push to get our sport to grow, um, have more campuses at it. Obviously we're in such a hard time economically that that's, you know, really not so reasonable right now, but we'll see what happens down, you know, in a couple years from now, love to see more opportunities on campuses. There are hundreds of opportunities, um, nationwide to ride in college, but there's two different formats. There's the NCA format, which we do. Um, and then there's an IHSA format, which is which is very different. And a lot of times that's at a, at a club level, not always, um, but that's kind of a leveling system where you can bring in beginner riders up to um, more advanced riders. And we are a one level um, format where we're putting them in that head-to-head situation. And so, you know, there are a lot of opportunities, but there's a lot of girls who want to compete at this this level who want to compete in this head-to-head format who have really bought into kind of what we're doing and, you know, wanting to be under the NCAA umbrella. And so I would love to see more opportunities for
3: them out there and and getting to kind of pursue their dreams. What would you say your best advice is um, to, this is a question we're going to ask or I'm going to ask on the panel, um, but like to an, a 15-year-old girl who's maybe looking at, you know, the possibilities of becoming an equestrian athlete or working in some capacity with that. What would your advice be to someone like that, maybe around the age of 15? you know um by the
0: time they hit their junior year we're recruiting them really hard so you know they need to kind of start preparing themselves as they enter high school 14 15 years old um and make sure they're showing competing at a, at a high level um i would say if they're not competing at a high level they need to be open minded enough to be considering walk on opportunities and so our sport um being an equivalency sport which means that our athletes don't come in on a full scholarship or nothing like football or basketball um you know, we can divide our scholarships up 20% here, 50% here, and not all athletes are going to come in on scholarship. And so I think they've got to be open-minded to This is an incredible opportunity to be a collegiate, a division one collegiate athlete. It may not come with a scholarship and that doesn't determine, you know, how, how good of an athlete they are, you know, or will they develop into a great athlete in college? But I think a lot of times, you know, it right for a prospect they're um, you know, they really hinge on being able to get that scholarship opportunity. And I think sometimes they need to be, you know, kind of open-minded to where can I go get an incredible opportunity and an incredible education um, regardless of whether or not it comes with scholarship.
3: What does it mean for you to see Baylor? Obviously, we're going to talk about your history and um, how you kind of came up into the sport. But to be here at Baylor, to have been coaching here for as long as you have now, um, and to see that Baylor is supporting a sport such as equestrian Um, that has 60, I think you said 61, 62, um, athletes on it right now providing those opportunities for that many women specifically here at Baylor.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. So when I, uh, and I'll back up a little bit, because when I went to college, um, I went to Texas A&M and Baylor didn't have an equestrian team yet. And so when I started coaching is about the time that Baylor added their program. And so I've gotten to watch Baylor add it in, develop it, and kind of get it to where it is now. Build the facility, you know, see things, see the evolution um, as they've grown, had this sport grow here on campus. And so you're right to see such a great opportunity for so many women here in Texas where there's such a huge um industry of competitive show writers is is amazing and we're also sitting here in the heart of you've got Texas A&M SMU um, TCU right up the road, there's a lot of opportunity for for girls who want to come be in Texas and want to compete. Um, and to know that we're still turning that many away every single year. I mean, it's just amazing. So I'm really grateful that, you know, it's hard to have a, a large roster. It's really hard to manage it with horses. Um, you know, but I also know that we provide a huge opportunity for so many women. And so, um, just thankful to be a part of that. And I've got a great staff who's really bought into, um, that whole opportunity for these young athletes as well.
2: 61 student-athletes, second highest of any sport we have here at Baylor. I mean, football has the most, but equestrian has the second most. So that is, that is a lot of opportunities. What's the, what's the climate out there for other schools adding uh, equestrian as a sport there?
0: So, I mean, it's definitely hard right now with the pandemic, but, you know, we try to sell it that if you do need women's numbers on your campus, then here's an opportunity to have a large women's roster. That's not everyone's need, um, but it could be. Um, Here at Baylor, you know, we stay between 60 and 65. George is another team who stays about 65. So you do have the opportunity to have a large roster um, of women on your campus. Um, So that's really nice. And, you know, just right now, it's just so hard. It's so hard. I think, you know, if you look at campuses, they've got to have almost a title nine reason to have to add a sport, you know, at this point. And so, you know, we're trying to look for those, those opportunities that a, that a campus really needs more women's opportunities and try to capitalize on that. And it could be downwards of 15 to 20, um, you know, per se, and you still have enough competitors to make it happen or, or upwards of, of 60, like we were at one point Baylor was at 80. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it just kind of depends on what the needs are in your campus.
3: Looking at your history, um, before Baylor, you were at Kansas state, um, as the head coach from 2009 to 2016, and that program was discontinued. Um, to We're talking about all the advancements in women in sports. And so what was it like going through something like that? Um, probably the hardest thing I've ever been through
0: in my life, honestly. Um, and not even just for myself personally, but to watch the athletes have to go through something like that. Um, like I mentioned earlier, we've been on the emerging sports list, and we've been there for quite a while. And we went through, as um, fall of 2014, we went through just kind of a dead period where, you know, the NCAA came in and said, you're not adding schools. So, you know, we're thinking about dropping you off the emerging sports list. And that's when Kansas State and New Mexico State decided to discontinue their programs was with, when kind of that conversation was happening. Um, on the flip side of that, I think some schools dropping really drove the sport to do what it needed to, to take it to the next level. You know, hiring an executive director, we've seen schools add from nothing. Um, UC Davis, a division one school, um, you know, added right into the program and so uh, into our format. And so I think it caused a lot of good. It doesn't make it any easier to have to go, had have to have had to go through that, but it did a lot of good for the sport. Um, it was kind of the wake up call maybe that the sport needed that mm-hmm. we couldn't just stay flatlining where we were, um, for any longer, they really had to make some moves. And so, um, you know, glad to be on the other end of that, but it definitely, you know, if, if any school deserves to have a program, you know, it's Midwest ag school, you know, it kind of made sense, you know, you're right up there. There's not anyone that far North. And so
3: hopefully, you know, fingers crossed one day down the road, Kansas state, maybe they'll add it back in. You just never know. Well, you, and when that happened, you took a a step to the compliance side of things, um, for a year before fortunate for us, you came to Baylor (laughs) and put it on the green and gold. Um, but what was that like in, in, in that year for you specifically? Um, obviously you had been a head coach for a long time. You knew that's what you wanted to do, but in that moment, did you ever doubt that you would continue that you'd be a head coach again?
0: So we kind of, my husband and I kind of had to step back and ask ourselves, you know, what are we going to do? And it was, it was just kind of, um, um, just kind of a step back. Let's reassess, see where we are. We had, you know, two young kids. And so, and there wasn't any head coaching opportunities open that year. So it kind of worked out. There was an opportunity for me to go to be an assistant coach somewhere else. And I was like, I just don't know that I'm ready to relocate for that. Let's see what, you know, where things are going to pan out. I love the compliance world. Honestly, if I wasn't coaching, that's probably where where I would end up. I just, I love watching how sports have, you know, have gone through this evolution where we're going and, you know, why we're here and stuff. And so I do love that side of it and still getting to work with the student athletes as well. But I was about six weeks into it when I said, yeah, we got one year here and we this anymore. Um, yeah. there was a huge adjustment to sitting behind a desk. Um, My boss in compliance had been my sport administrator for my equestrian program. So that was really seamless, you know, getting to work with her. There was a lot of benefits, you know, to getting to stay with a lot of the same people that I had worked with before. And I still had athletes who were at Kansas State, so that was another thing that made it kind of easy to be there. I had some people who stayed, um, they had one more, maybe two more years to graduate. And so, you know, I still had girls there. I still had ties there. Um, I had several girls who kept horses at my house and, you know, and continued riding with me personally. And so, you know, there was a lot of really good things there and it was hard to leave some of them who hadn't graduated yet when I came down here and, and took the job here. But, um, this job opened at the right time. I mean, this, this opportunity came about, and it was the right time for us. And um, we were happy to be back in Texas. And like I said, Baylor didn't have a team whenever I was looking to go into coaching or even go into competing as an athlete. And so the timing was just right for us.
2: If I remember right, you stayed close to the sport. Even that year you were out of coaching, mm-hmm. we host the NCEA National Championships here. And I think I remember you coming down and just sort of volunteering just to, to be around it and, and kind of keep your foot in the door.
0: I did. I stayed on at the national level. Um, th- we were broken up into subcommittees. I stayed on with them, helping get the championship put together. I actually was a Big 12 judges assigner, so I helped with okay. all of that, and then came down and worked the national championship. Yeah. So the championship has kind of always been like one of my babies. I'm on the championship committee, and so I just love seeing it all, you know, come about at the end of the year. And so it's been nice to actually be here now, and it's in the
3: backyard. It's so. right here. <laughs> it. Not only that, but also the Big 12 championship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So speak a little bit to the facilities and the fact that not only is it, it's, you know, in the city of Waco. And so it draws a lot of people, the facility itself draws a lot of people throughout the year to different events. Um, But to have these two big time meets for you guys right here in the backyard for all of Waco to be able to come and. Well, maybe this year a little different with <laughs> yeah, COVID, but right. in general, yeah. be able to come. What does that mean to you in a normal year? Yeah, it'd be great to be able to fill it up with
0: a, a bunch of Waco fans. But so, Big Twelve Championship will be out at our home facility, so that's kind of nice. That rotates home facilities every year, and we're just really grateful this year that it's back with us because we were supposed to host it in 2020 and lost the opportunity. I'm really grateful, you know, that my seniors will get the opportunity mm-hmm. to have hosted it, and um, and we didn't lose that opportunity. So we're definitely excited about that. Um, that's a neat event. You know, all four teams come in, they get to bring horses and, you know, we kind of put all the horses into a pot. And so we're not riding Baylor horses per se, like we might be on a normal head to head weekend. And so, um, so it changes a little bit that you have that extra dynamic of, of hauling your horses in and stuff. And so really excited to have that back here. And then the national championship being over at Extra Co makes it nice for us that we're not playing it at home per se. Um, You know, we do get to, to move out and kind of be at least at neutral ground, but we're home enough, you know, our girls can sleep in their own beds mm-hmm. and, you know, we can have a lot of people here and get a lot of Baylor um, staff coming out and supporting and things like that. So we definitely look forward. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough host. I mean, you know, we won't lie about that. It is a tough week and we all sleep really good the week after, but um, <laughs> we do really enjoy having it here.
2: March 26th and 27th for the Big 12 Championships, and uh, that's at your home facility. And then April 15th and 17th for the NCEA National Championships here in Waco out at the Extraco Event Center. And this is, do you know off the top of your head what year this is? I mean, it's, it's been here a long time.
0: I'll probably lie to you. I want to say it's 14 or 15. Yeah, that sounds right. That
2: sounds right. But, and that, and those folks out there, they are great to work with, aren't they? I mean, they really make it happen.
0: Yeah. JD, um, Wes Allison, their whole crew, they're amazing. And they just know, they know what we're doing seamlessly. So it just all falls into place. We help them with some events that you will do a horse judging contest in, in a normal year over at our place. And so, you know, we have a great working relationship with them and then, um, Yeah, we just really looking forward to being there every year.
4: If you need a trailer, Flat Rock Trailers has got you covered. From light-duty single-axle utility trailers to the Big Tex Tandem Duels, we also carry a full line of enclosed cargo trailers. Need a motorcycle trailer? We've got them. Need a dump trailer? We've got the largest selection in the state. Oil field trailers? We carry a full line of Big Tex trailers to handle all your needs. Trailer repairs? We repair all makes and models. We'll even rent you a trailer if you need to use one for a day. Flat Rock Trailers, your number one source for all your trailer needs. Find us at flatrocktrailers.com.
1: you're listening to the Sikkim Podcast, a production of Baylor Athletics. Here again are Brooke Bed Nars and John Morris.
2: We're visiting with Casey Maxwell, Equestrian coach at Baylor. Uh, her fourth year at Baylor as head coach. Just began her eleventh season as a collegiate equestrian head coach. All right, let's play uh let's play this game. Uh questions that you get about equestrian. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I like this yes, game, John. okay. This the, is good. Here's one that I bet you may be top of the list. You correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, do people ask about the horses traveling with you? All the time is that is that top of the list?
0: It's one of the top. Questions. Okay, one of the top. Especially okay, especially when we fly, people are. like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wow. would say the How other top question is when people guess what your sport is in the airport when you're carrying oh, your. Yeah. <laughs> that's and your a good hat one. Hat cans like are you bowling? Because we have <laughs> these hat cans yeah. for our western hats, yeah. so that's probably the other big one. But as soon as they know we're equestrian, they're like, "Are your horses on the plane?" Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> no, we don't travel our horses. That is one of the luxuries. Our horses are donated. Um, or lease to our program. And so they do have the luxury of really staying at home all year. Cause it, it's hard on them to haul down the road. And so as they're donated to the program, there's a huge benefit to that. They won't go anywhere until potentially traveling for the national championship or the big 12 championship. And so that's really nice. So when we do go in a normal head to head regular season meet, we're competing on the home team's horses.
2: Right. All right. And the other one, uh, the other question you said was, uh, are you a bowling team? Because they see your hat, the, <laughs> yes. the uh, cases that you're carrying your hats in. What else? What else do you get from people kind of pretty frequently?
0: Questions or what, yeah, sport, que- what question. sport are we? Yeah, questions. Um, lots of questions about, you know, are, do, you, do you guys do the barrel racing? You know, that's yeah. always the first yeah. go to. Yeah. People usually will get the jumping because, you know, that's on TV. You can watch that in the Olympics right. and things like that. So the fences, they'll understand that. But you usually have to step back and explain the four events that we do. I mean, they, they understand jumping over the fences, but then we have the flat, the horsemanship and the reining, and you can kind of walk them, walk them through that. Um they don't really understand why we don't run barrels. And so it's just <laughs> totally, it's just completely different. Um, why it's a women's sport. We get that question a okay. lot. How come you don't have any, have any men on your team? Um, so we do get that question a lot. Those are some of the top ones. Um, and then as you have someone who maybe knows a little bit about equestrian, they'll start talking to you more about, tell me about the scoring and, you know, tell me yeah. kind of, mm-hmm. you know, how things, how things work in the collegiate world versus
3: in the industry. Right. Well, Interesting. let's give you a chance to answer those questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, the four different, Events to people listening. Cause we want people, we have a home meet this weekend. This and we weekend. Would, yeah. Right. So maybe we can recruit some, some fans. Okay, here we go.
0: So the fences is pretty uniform from the industry. Um, you know, they're coming in the, the scoring scale is the same. The only thing different is they're, they're riding an unfamiliar horse and they're going head to head. Um, so that's the same. They will ride anywhere from eight to 12 jumps, um, in a predetermined course for that day. Our equitation, our flat event is different. That is truly just a collegiate event. We basically take a bunch of equitation maneuvers, which are out in the industry, but we put it into a dressage arena. So when people come in and they look at what we're doing, we, we put it into a smaller arena that makes it consistent and uniform from school to school, um, kind of levels the playing field, if you will. And so, um, it's a predetermined test of nine maneuvers that are put together and, um, and then the 10th maneuver, the judge can just give them a score for like overall position and correctness. And so, um, in both the fences and the flat, they're judging that horse or that rider's position, their ability to get the horse through all of those maneuvers seamless, seamlessly. There's kind of, there's not necessarily penalties, but there's faults for thing, like for things like in the jumping, if the horse accidentally trots, you know, or things like that, there's places that the, the rider can definitely be faulted in their score. if They knock down a fence or a knock down a rail. There's places they'll get faulted there. Um, and then on the Western side, those events are very, pretty close to industry standard horsemanship and reining. Um, they will have a predetermined pattern that's seven to nine maneuvers. Um, and the riders will guide those horses through that pattern in the horsemanship. They're looking at rider position. They want them sitting up and they want them tight. They don't want to see, you don't want to really see any communication with the, with the rider to the horse. You want it all needs to look really effortless. And the reining, they're not judging their position. They can be looser. They want to be really synced up with their horse and really flow with their horse. But that's one of the more fun events, kind of like the fences. That's where the horses are going to spin really fast or they're going to slide really far in the dirt. Um, and so that's definitely one of our more spectator-friendly sports that we have. And so, um, and for those two events, that scoring system is similar to the industry. Um, one thing people don't know when they come to competition is how much time the riders get to familiarize themselves with the horses. And so if you come out, you'll see the horses get warmed up for that day because you've got to get them warmed up just like athletes do for competition, right? Um, They'll be warmed up by riders who are not competing that day. And then each competing rider, both from the home and away school, will get four minutes on that horse to kind of familiarize themselves with it before they'll go in and they'll get judged in their event. And so that's their only time to kind of feel things out and make any adjustments that they need to make before they go
3: earn their score. Wow! Do you and, have and
2: that? Uh, go ahead.
3: I was going to say, do you have any athletes? Do they stick with the one discipline, or do you have some that do b- multiple? That's a good
0: question. Most of the time on the western side, they're doing either the horsemanship or the reining. We have no one who's doing jumping, seat, in western. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no crossover there. They're very, very specific. Um, so like I said, most of the time on the Western side, they're doing one or the other every now and then we will have a crossover athlete. We have nobody crossing over this year. Um, you'll see more crossover on the jumping seat side. A lot of times, all of those girls, as they come in from the industry, they've all done the fences, um, at some, at varying levels. And like I said, the flat is a collegiate only format, so it's different for everyone. And so they all come in here and they have to get taught kind of how to, be in the flat arena, um, and go through some of those maneuvers. And so it's really about who picks up on it the quickest. Okay. And so you'll see a lot of riders. there generally potentially competing in both the fences in the flat. Very cool.
2: My question was going to be that four minutes that, that a rider has with that horse. That is key, isn't it? I mean, that is like crunch time to get to know that horse and the horse to get to know the rider right before you go into the ring.
0: Yeah, it is. And we, you know, we practice it. Four minutes goes fast. You yeah. feel like you you got a lot of time, right? And you don't, it's, you know, you're listening to someone three, two, and one, and you're done all of a sudden. And so it's mental. Um, we tell our athletes, you know, you're not going to retrain the horse during that period. You're not going to make them listen to you during that period. You're kind of figuring out what the buttons are that day, Mm -hmm. um, you know, where you need to be better for them and, you know, where they may be a little bit smart on, you know, they, we practice those patterns throughout the week. And so they kind of start to learn what the track's going to be or where they're going to go next. And so you got to outsmart them a little bit, your Mm -hmm. live equipment again. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's really a mental game of, you know, Making sure you feel good, making sure they're listening to you, um, but kind of meeting on some common ground. Because if you go at it thinking that you're going to retrain them and you're
3: going to get them perfect for that day, you've lost before yeah. you've ever started. It. Yeah, in so, four
2: minutes, you yeah. just can't do that.
3: John, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I had the opportunity. I was a scribe, so I wrote down all the scores oh, look of, at raining, you. Very of good. raining a couple months ago, and yeah. I went in there, and I was like, I don't know what's going on. By the end of the day, the judge was sitting there and having me watch and said, what would you score that? And I was like, I would say that was a whatever. And he was like, yeah, I was like, wow. "Wow." So I will recommend if you don't know, (laughs) it was so cool just to learn all that and everything. Um, and like you said, sometimes the horses I did witness that they just had a mind of their own and they thought they were on the, on the right track. And, um, it was neat to see those riders redirect and, uh, really, you know, take control of that situation. But I definitely recommend that. So if anyone is listening and has not been to an equestrian event or meet, you should definitely do it because (laughs) I thoroughly enjoyed it and learned a lot. That is a great way to learn a lot. And that's where
0: if you come and you sit up in the, you know, if you're have the opportunity, not with COVID, obviously to sit with some of our athletes, they'll start talking you through it. And just, they would love to teach everyone, you know, about what's going on. So there's a, there's a big learning curve for sure.
2: What's your attendance policy going to be this year? Do you know yet?
0: We do. Um, first first home meet this, this week, and so we're going to be player passless only. Okay. Um, and be limited. We're thankful we get to have fans because there are several schools who we're competing against are not going to have any fans at all. And so um, we'll be able to let um, two – two guest admissions for all of our athletes. And then we're going to give an allotment to the visiting team. Um, And then we'll have an allotment for Baylor staff as well. And so it will be pretty limited. It'll be checked at the gate. And so that's very different for us because we're used to having the gates open Mm -hmm. and being open to the, to the public, but it's just not going to happen this year. So um, we're going to kind of focus on, hopefully the parents can come in and watch their daughters compete. And um, at least they'll be able to have that opportunity. That's pending good weather too. So if it rains, we'll have no fans um, because that moves us from a two arena um, schedule into a one arena schedule where we go all indoors and where it's a much more condensed situation so yeah. we'll we'll uh, have to close the gates if we
3: move all indoors well hopefully covid kind of eases up by the time april comes around <laughs> so yeah, let's hope get yeah some fans yeah. we're
0: out at extra co there's more room out there so yeah. that could be a whole a whole different ball game when we go out there but we'll see
4: There's only one motor trend truck of the year. It's Ram from Alan Samuels. Now, kick off the new year with remarkable savings on new Rams during the Alan Samuels Start Something New Sales event. This special New Year's event is underway right now, and you can save thousands on new Rams. Ram for your family, farm, or business at Waco's most trusted dealer, Alan Samuels. Alan Samuels Dodd Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, your friend in the car business.
1: My job. But I don't mind getting up in the morning. I try to stay. But I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why. And what
4: I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling round.
2: Salsa draft son, they're the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's barbecue. Next in line.
1: This is the Sikkim Podcast. Presented by your friend in the car business. Alan Samuels, Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, and Waco. Online at alansamuelsdcj.com.
2: Let me ask you this: I've got friends in Kentucky. I grew up in Kentucky. I've got friends there who are sort of in the, I guess, the professional world of equestrian. And uh, two that I think I've in particular, they're they're competing. They went to UK, which doesn't have an equestrian team, which is the craziest thing in the world. But for your student athletes, if they want to continue. In this sport, there, are there professional opportunities for them?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there's no draft; they're not getting drafted out of right, right, like right. the other sports. Right. but um, yes, they can go back and they can be professional trainers in the industry. Um, whether they're, com- you know, getting paid to compete on um, people's horses, getting paid to give lessons, or a combination of both. And so there are, you know, we really push them. We and actually this year with COVID, we have a lot of prospects who for go the opportunity to come to college and compete because they're just going to go straight and be professional. Out of oh, high school. Okay. Um, it's, it's very common in our sport. And so sometimes you're trying to talk people into staying an amateur and coming to college for four years and trying to convince them that they might need that degree down the road and yeah. you never know what happens. And so, um, COVID's definitely been harder on us with that, that there's some of them who are going straight into that, into that world. But, um, but yeah, they don't have to, they don't have to go to college to do that. This, you know, this may help them in their opportunity that they're going to have ridden more horses, but Really, if they want to go professional, they're going to go apprentice under people. They're going to go train under people, um, serve as an assistant before they go have their own business, you know, or something like that. And that's a tough life. That's a tough Mm -hmm. life to be, you're on the road, you know, all day,
3: all year long and
0: you know, you're, you're constantly giving lessons. And so, and and you're living, you know, sometimes you're living paycheck to paycheck. That's, that's tough. But if you love it and these, a lot of these women just love this sport and they
3: love these horses, um, it's not work to them. So, and the other question was, um. Why is it women only? You said that was a common one you get.
0: Yeah. Um, that is, that is an answer that is above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what's your, what's your answer yeah. to that question? If you yeah. don't know, that's we not sure something
3: know. you decide.
0: <laughs> no, you know? it's definitely not. I mean, that's not school by school. The NCAA decided that when they came up, you know, we needed more opportunities for women, you know, competitive opportunities for women in college. And so, um, so every now and then you do, you have a male who is looking for an opportunity to compete in college and they we, we kind of redirect him to one of the club programs that, you know, that does have opportunities. But the NCAA decided that a while ago um, and looking at some more Title IX, some equity opportunities. Very
2: cool. All right. Tell us about your family and uh you kind of got a built in cheering section there yes. at home. That's good. Yes.
0: <laughs> um it's a it's a wild time right now. So um my husband Bailey, um, he works he works from home. We've been blessed with, with his job that he is usually on just on the road with us and can kind of work from wherever nice. remotely. So we've been we've been really blessed with that. And we've got four kids. Um it's it's truly crazy right now. Um seven year old boy Tatum, five and a half year old little girl Brecken. Two and a half little girl Rylan and a seven month old little girl Tristan. <laughs> wow. So there yeah, you go. it's a uh, pretty wild. I, we we joke about it. My my kids have grown up with a team. You know, either starting at Kansas State and now coming here to Baylor. So I'm like, well, thank God all these young women love kids because yeah. I can <laughs> pass them off often. There you go. And So um, yes. You know they're just they're just part of the family. They're part of the team family, and so it's it's been neat to watch them kind of grow up with the team atmosphere and be able to take them along, um, you know, to certain events and things like that too.
2: That's fun. Built-in babysitters Uh, if you need them, right?
0: Sixty-one big sisters. Yeah, yeah, big sisters. (laughs) That's good.
2: And we mentioned TCU this week, uh, Oklahoma State here on February twentieth, home meets. But overall, you've got a really tough schedule this year.
0: Yeah, we do. Um, us moving into a one semester schedule really condensed everything and, um, you know, pushed us weekend after weekend. So we'll only have that, that one break, um, in the middle of February before we head into a, you know, a a three meet weekend. And so it's, it's definitely tough and no easy opponents. Um, you know, we have the opportunity, we make our schedule, how soft do we want to make it on our team? And this wasn't the year to make it soft. I mean, they're going to have to come out and prove what they've got and so they can qualify for the national championship. And we think they're perfectly capable of doing that. Um, we think we've got a huge benefit to have hosting big 12 here in, in Waco. And so um, I mean, we obviously started off strong. So
3: now we're hoping we can kind of give them another boost of confidence this weekend against, against TCU when we host them. I believe last spring you guys had a long stretch of back to back and you chose to do that. Can we, you tell us a little bit why, why we did? So
0: our last spring our big push with our team was just really about being mentally tough um was about bouncing back it was it was like you said it was five weeks in a row um very tough opponents we went on the road to Texas A&M we went on the road to Auburn I mean we really just we kind of just beat our team up last spring if you will but we were really focused on them bouncing back um coming back being better next week and and they were doing that they were they were climbing uphill. They were peaking at the right point in the season. They were definitely tired. I mean, we definitely wore them out, but, um, you know, we didn't want to have that soft schedule last spring. Um, and who knows, who knows what what would have happened at big 12 in the national championship. But from our staff standpoint, we definitely felt like our team was bouncing back really well. They were getting better every single week. And we like to think, you know, as we headed into the postseason, we were going to peak at the right point. So for our returners especially, in some ways, they're prepared for this. Um, it's been a while, but they've done this before. Mm-hmm. They've done this rigorous schedule um, against really tough opponents. And so um, I think there's going to be some benefit to that. And our freshmen, they don't know any better. So we're just going to throw <laughs> Welcome them in there to college. There tell go. them this is
3: normal. So. Yeah,
2: this is the way we do it at Baylor. <laughs> yeah.
3: All right,
2: here's one other question. People uh, who are now completely engaged in the sport of equestrian, this might come up. How and why is Fresno State competitive? Uh, competing as a member of the Big 12?
3: That's a great question. Oh, that is a good <laughs> question.
0: But we, we do get that question a lot, and this is their second year. They're an affiliate member of the conference um, because out where they are, they do not have any other conference opponents that are um, equestrian, and so um, – they are a conference affiliate for West for wrestling as well. So it was kind of an easy ad that they already had some familiarity with coming into the big 12 from another sports standpoint. And so, um, distance wise, it makes no sense, right? Because (laughs) they're so far away and in a normal year we'll home and away everyone for big 12 competition. Um, You know, but I think the wrestling piece helped. They applied to be an affiliate. It made sense for us. It makes sense for us to have four member schools, um, especially when it comes down to the Big 12 championship. So that was hard when when Kansas State dropped out. Um, They played as three teams. Um, The Big 12 played as three teams for a couple of years. And so I think this will help us. I think this will be good. And so they obviously didn't get to go through the whole year last year. But, um, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. And I think it makes sense from the Big 12 championship standpoint for sure.
2: Yeah, that's good. Well, we appreciate your time today. It's great to visit with you. Good luck this week against TCU. Good luck the remainder of the season, and hopefully, we've uh, you know kind of whetted the appetite of yes. some folks now about equestrian. I hope so. I yeah. hope we
0: can get some fans out there not this year, but next fall and yeah, right. know a little bit more about what's going on. So we're definitely looking forward to having the stands full and getting back to some kind of normal. Absolutely. Very Aren't cool. we all? <laughs> yeah,
2: amen to that. Well, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Uh, Casey Maxwell, Baylor's equestrian coach. For Brook Bednars. I'm John Morris. That's this week's Sikkim Podcast.
1: You've been listening to the Sikkim Podcast. Presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco. Online at allensamuelsdcj.com. The Sikkim Podcast has been a production of Baylor Athletics.